This is the day that God has made. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm so excited about the word this morning. Um, just tell your neighbor it's gonna be tough, but you can handle it. Have you ever seen that that um, commercial? Have you ever seen that commercial? Um, what's it called? Uh, I think it's Listerine. He's the guy and he's swishing his mouth, and the Listerine is in his mouth and he's it's burning. And he says, "You know what? You can handle it, but germs can't." You can handle it this morning, but the devil can't handle it. Hallelujah. Come on, lift up your Bible. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Che's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today. Come on, say today. I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name. Father, I give you thanks this morning. That you are in this place. And I pray, Lord God, that you would wear me like a glove today. That, Father, you would be the substance of what is said and done here. That, Father, you would speak to our hearts, even beyond my words. Lord, let each heart hear the Holy Ghost. Let none of us leave the same. In Jesus' name. And everyone say, Amen. 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 You may be seated. And as you're seated this morning, would you get your Bibles out and uh, turn to the book of Malachi, if you would. Malachi is the last prophet, the last book in the Old Testament. And if you can find Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, then just go back a couple pages and you'll find Malachi. Now we started this series three weeks ago. And um, the series that we're doing is called Desperate What? Desperate Households. And as we're doing this series of Desperate Households, we're really looking at marriage like a house. And we're building this house. <clears throat> Over the last two weeks, Pastor Eben spoke about the foundation of the house that we're building. And this foundation, he said, is Jesus Christ. Amen? He's the only foundation. But it's not just Jesus, but it's obeying the Word of God. It's obeying what Jesus says. That you can't build a good marriage if you're not willing to follow the Word of God. How many of you are with me? And so it is that once the foundation is set, the Word of God, obedience to God, obedience to Jesus, then we can start putting things together. Now the first thing that you put on a foundation is called the cornerstone. The cornerstone. And today, the message is entitled, The Cornerstone of Covenant. Say that with me. The Cornerstone of Covenant. In other words, the first thing that you need to lay on your obedience to Christ is something called covenant. Now we're going to talk about that a little bit. Are you in Malachi chapter 2? We're going to read verse 10. Have we not all one Father? Hmm. Has not God, has not one God created us? Why then do we deal treacherously? with one another, by profaning the covenant of the fathers. 
That's awesome. Malachi says, aren't we all children of the same God? Don't we all have the same father? Then why do we deal the way we deal with each other? Why do we break covenant with one another? Hmm. You see, let me tell you something. A man and a woman walk down an aisle. They come together before a pastor and they say, I do. And a marriage is born. Two, two, uh, two people sign a contract, they shake hands with each other, and they said, I'll do my part. And a business is born. A man gets up and says, yes we can, and makes some promises. <laughs> and a government is born. We are by nature a promise-making people. In other words, every major significant thing that we do in our lives are based on promises. We do things, we sign contracts, we do all these things and say, I'll do my part and something significant happens in our lives. Because whether it's friendships or whether it's marriages or whether it's businesses or whether it's churches, no matter what it is, there's a promise behind it. Someone believes that someone else is going to do their part. Are you with me? But as much as we are promise makers, how many of you know we are also promise? Oh yes, we are. We say, I'll be there and we're not. We'll say we'll show up and we and we don't. We are promise breakers. In fact, it is so weird about how much we break promises that children get thrown off by it. You know what children do? They do this. You say, I promise I'll do this. And a child says, you promise? And he say, yeah, I promise. And they say, uh, cross your heart? We say, yeah, I cross my heart. Uh, cross your heart and Hope to die. And if dying wasn't bad enough, cross your heart, hope to die, stick a needle. Yeah, because in a child's world, sticking a needle in your eye is worse than dying. But what they do is they give you all these contractual things to make sure you'll keep your promise because they know. That we like to break promises, don't we? They've figured it out. Here's the thing. At the heart of every successful relationship is promise making and promise keeping. If you're going to have a successful relationship, it's got to be based on some promises, but you've got to keep them. Are you with me? The Bible calls promise-making and promise-keeping covenant. That's what a promise is. A promise in, in the Bible is called covenant. Uh, in other words, watch this. A covenant is not just a convenience contract. <laughs> it's, it's a solemn oath. It's a, it's a, a sacred bond. It's a it's a vow that, you, that says this, no matter what, I will do my part. Say that with me. No matter what, I will do my part. Say it again. No matter what, I will do my part. That's what, that's, what a, that's what a promise is. That's what a covenant is in the Bible. It says, no matter what, I'm going to do my part. It doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what happens to you. Between now and when you die, I'm going to do my part. Say no matter what. No matter what, I'm going to do my part. 
And so Malachi says, listen, aren't we children of the same father? So why do we break covenant? And the reason he's saying that is this, because he knows and he wants to tell all of us today that God is the one who sets the standard for covenant making and covenant keeping. He says, if we belong to him, then how can we break covenant? Because he don't break covenant. If he doesn't break covenant and we're his kids, why is it easy for us to break covenant? Are you with me so far? And so here's what I want to tell you. God is an excellent covenant maker. That's the first thing I want you to know. He's an excellent covenant maker. If you look back in history, look at what God did. You remember this guy named Adam? You remember him? Adam and Eve. God put them in the garden and God said, listen, I'm going to make a covenant with you. You're my kids. I love you. Da, da, da. He says, you just do one thing for me. Just one thing, one thing, one thing. Don't eat the fruit. You remember that story? Now, Adam and Eve had it easy. Think about it for a second. Just, just think about this. Uh, they had the perfect marriage. Adam couldn't compare Eve's cooking to his mother's. Is that cool? I think that's cool. I think that's awesome right there. And th- and think about this too. Um, Eve couldn't call home when they had an argument. And when Eve said something like, Hey, Adam, do you love me? Adam would say, Eve, who else? I mean, that's it. I mean, that, that's like perfect marriage right there. But there is a problem. There's a problem with Adam and Eve's marriage. I don't know if you know this, but the Bible doesn't tell us all this story. But when... Um, when Adam was walking the earth and he saw the lions and he saw how the female lion did all the work and the man lion just kind of sat back and, you know, when she brought the food home, he ate first and all that. And God said, hey, Adam, I want to make a mate for you. He said, God, I have an idea. He says, God, tell you what, I want a wife that does all the work, that feeds me when I come home. In fact, could you throw in there some massages and stuff? Like, just have her serve me all the days of my life and make sure that I'm fully comfortable in everything I do. God said, wow, Adam, that's a tall order. You sure you can handle that? He says, God, give it to me. He says, well, Adam, guess what? It's going to cost you. He says, tell me what it will cost me. It's going to cost you an arm and a leg. And Adam said, hmm. What can I get for a rib? (laughs) That's what we have today. Hallelujah. (coughs) And so here's the thing. Adam broke his part of the promise. And you would think that if Adam broke his part of the promise, God would say, you know what? Forget it. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Get out of my life. I don't want. But you know what God did? God did the unthinkable. He made another promise. And you know what he did? He gave them a sign that he would keep the promise. He killed an animal and clothed them with the clothes of the animal. To say this, guess what? I am going to redeem you no matter what you do. 
Are you with me? In other words, I am going to keep my promise, Adam. I don't care what you do. I'm going to keep my promise. That's in Genesis 3.21. He covered him. I'm not going to look at all the scriptures this morning, but we'll put them on the screen for you to write down. Genesis 3.21. God clothed them with animal skin. God covered their nakedness with the death of something, replacing their efforts to cover themselves. So they were covering up with fig leaves. And God says, that can't cover you. <laughs> oh, I could get real deep right there, but I'm not going. Let's, let's just move on. Excellent covenant. Someone say excellent covenant. Excellent covenant. Because God said, I'm going to do my part no matter, no matter what. Then Noah came along and God made a covenant with Noah. He killed everybody. You remember this story. He saved Noah. And then he said, Noah, guess what? I will never do that again. In fact, tell you what, Noah. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless the whole earth. I'll never destroy it by flood again. And he says, this is the sign that you'll know I'll never do it again. And he painted a rainbow in the sky. Everybody remember that? And God and Noah said, wow, God, you are awesome. Excellent covenant. Then Abraham came along. He was 99 years old. His wife, Sarah, was 89 years old. And he said, Abraham, you are going to have a son. And you won't have a single tooth between the three of you. In Genesis 17, God said to Abraham, listen, this is the sign of the covenant that you're going to have. You and all the males in your household will be circumcised. And Abraham said... How come Noah got a rainbow? I'd prefer a rainbow, God. And then God called his people out of Egypt, freed them, and he had them being led by a guy named Moses. And he said, these are my special people. These are the people who are my children. They are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And this is the sign, this is the symbol that I'm keeping my covenant. I'm going to give you these ten commandments. You're going to put them in the Ark of the Covenant. And this will be the sign that I am with you, that I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And over and over again, ch children of Israel disappointed God. Over and over again, they didn't keep their part. Over and over again, they sinned and they went off and they worshipped false gods. And over and over again, God says, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. No matter what, no matter what, no matter I am going to do my Part. And every time they fell, God found a way to bring them back. And he says, I'll never leave you. How can we be your people and we've done so many wrong? Because I am covenant keeping. That's why. And I will never leave you. I don't care what you do. You can't get rid of me. And then Jesus came to teach us. About this covenant keeping God. To teach us about the faithfulness of God. And to extend the covenant. Not only to the Jews. But beyond. To all of us. To the people of God. To every nation. And Jesus stood up one day. With all his friends. Twelve friends around the table. And he said. Guess what guys. He says. This is the sign. Of the new covenant. And he picked up a cup. And he looked all of them in the eyes. And he said, listen, I will love you no matter what. 
I'll be with you no matter what. I'll never forsake you no matter what. Cross my heart. Hope to die. And he did. And the cross is the symbol of a covenant keeping God who then looks to us and say, if I can keep my covenant, what's your excuse? Romans 5.8 says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. What's he saying? He's saying this. I started my covenant before you even agreed. Before you even said, I sign up. He said, I did my part. My part was done and it wasn't even based on your behavior. I just did it because it's me. The covenant begins with me and it's based on me. It's not based on you. God is an excellent covenant maker. And he says, I love you no matter what. He's not only an excellent covenant maker, he's also an excellent covenant keeper. Isaiah chapter 54. Would you turn there real quick? Isaiah 54, verse 10. Isaiah 54, verse 10. And here's what it says. See, God is an excellent covenant keeper. I'll tell you why. God never rushes in to a covenant. He never makes a covenant in a rash way. God never stands up and says, uh-oh, oh, I shouldn't have made that promise. God knows what he's doing. Listen to what Isaiah 54 verse 10 says. For the mountains shall depart and the hills be removed. But my kindness shall not depart from you. Nor shall my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord who has mercy on you. Listen. Everything could go wrong, but God says, I'll never leave you. Everything could go wrong. He says, I'll never stop loving you. Listen, do you think, I don't know if he, God feels mushy, mushy every time he sees me. I'm sure there are times he sees me, he's going, oh my Lord, what's wrong with that boy? I'm sure there are times he sees me, says, ah, again. But you know what? It's not the feeling of love that matters to me. It's the decision of love that he has made that matters to me. What I want God to do is love me even when he's going, oh my word. And he still loves me. I want him to love me even when I disappoint him to the worst. I want him to turn around and say, I I, I love you still. I don't like what you did, but I love you still. I don't feel good about you right now, but I love you still. I'm going to spank you, but I love you still. Are you with me? You see, that's important to me. Because the mushy, mushy thing, that that comes and goes. But he loves me. And he says, guess what? My covenant is everlasting. From everlasting to everlasting. I have made an agreement and I cannot change. I will not. I refuse to. 
Listen to this. God never enters a covenant in a rash way. God never goes back on His word, no matter the cost. Someone say never. Never goes back on His word. Look at Psalm 89. Psalm 89. I'm in Proverbs. Go back to Psalms. Here we go. Psalms 89 and verse 33 to 34. In fact, I'm going to read from verse 30. Listen to this. Verse 30. If his sons forsake my law and do not walk in my judgment, if they break my statutes and do not keep my commandments, I will punish their transgressions with the rod and their iniquities with stripes. Nevertheless, someone say nevertheless. Nevertheless, my loving kindness I will not utterly take from him, nor allow my faithfulness to fail. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. Listen to me. Even when we do wrong, he says, I'm going to spank you, but my faithfulness will never fail. I may get things for you to get back in line, but I'll never forsake my covenant, because I'm a covenant-keeping God. First, Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians chapter one, and we're going to look at verse twenty. God will never be faithless toward you, even when you do wrong in your, in your life. Listen to what he says. For all the promises of God in him are what? Yea, and in him are what? Amen. Amen. To the glory of God. His promises are already established. His promises are already settled. His promises are already coming to pass. They are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. And so God never enters into a covenant in a rash way. God never goes back on His word. And here's this. God is unswervingly faithful even though the people He's committed to are consistent promise breakers. Huh. See, we promise and then we don't follow through. How many of you have ever done this? God, if you get me out of this one. Let me tell you, God, I will. And you, I mean, like you give like, like a whole list. And how many of you, after doing that, you got out and you didn't do what you said? Am I right? Yeah, we promise all the time and break it, and and especially to God. But He never slips. He never goes back. He's incapable of bad faith. God is incapable of bad faith. You say, well, you know what? Why are you telling me all this? Because Malachi says this. God's ability to keep his covenant has serious implications for you and I. It has serious implications for how we deal with each other. Turn back to Malachi chapter 2. We're all over the Bible this morning. But it's good. Malachi chapter 2 verse 13. Here's what God says. And the second thing that you do, you cover the altar of the Lord with tears, 
with weeping and crying. Here, here's, here's what happens. So he does not regard the offering anymore, nor receive it from, with goodwill from your hands. Yet you say, for what reason? In other words, here's what's happening. They're worshiping, they're bringing their stuff, and they're saying, man, God isn't receiving my offering. God isn't receiving. And they start to cry, God, why aren't you receiving it? Why aren't you taking my stuff? And God says, here's the reason. Because the Lord has been witness between you and the wife of your youth. As you keep coming and saying, oh, why isn't this successful? God, I'm doing, why, why, why aren't you blessing me in this area? And God says, because I'm a witness between you and the wife of your youth. Look at this. With whom you have dealt with treacherously. Yet she is your companion and your wife by what? By what? By what? She's your wife by covenant. Why are you treating her like that? And she's your wife by covenant. Somebody tell somebody, this is tough. Yeah. But it's good. How seriously are you taking the covenant that you've made? Because the truth is, if it's the cornerstone, then every other stone lines up according to this stone. Do you know what? That's what a cornerstone is. You put the cornerstone in and the cornerstone tells you where every other stone is supposed to go. It determines how the structure of the building is. And if covenant is not at the center of how you build this house. Listen, people use all sorts of things to build their house. They start off with Christ and then they put comfort on top of it. And they try to line every other brick according to comfort. Are you hearing me? Oh, oh, so, so they, well, that doesn't make me happy. So could you shift that over a little bit? It's not aligned with comfort. So we get married and we, 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 we use happiness as our brick. Well, I wanted to get out of my mother's house. Some of us use freedom. Are you trying to tie me down? We use all sorts of cornerstones. I'm here to tell you today, if covenant isn't the cornerstone, the whole building is lopsided. You may be even on Christ. You may be Christian. You may have, oh, you love Jesus. Oh, hands in the air. Everything. Oh, yes, I love Jesus. I want to obey Him. And you got married with a false notion. You thought the sex was going to be great and it was going to keep it together. That ain't even happening. <coughs> Not in this church. I'm just saying. This is going out all over the place. So. But we put all sorts of cornerstones in place. But the cornerstone that keeps the building together... Is covenant. And so God says, don't think that your worship and your prayers are acceptable when the way you treat your spouse is unacceptable. Oh God, I love you. Treat your wife right. Oh God, I pray. Treat your husband. Oh Lord, I bless. God says, man, if you break faith with your spouse, don't, don't make requests of me. 
If you aren't keeping your promises, don't think I'm accepting your praise. Whoa, that's heavy. Man, if you're not keeping your promise, don't think I'm accepting your praise. What you doing? What you doing? Leave me alone. God says, oh, don't give me that praise because you got to deal with your business first. He says, listen, man, if you bring a gift to the altar and you know that your brother, listen, we think our brother is like some neighbor, somebody, you know, some church person. Listen, your brother lives in your house. Your brother lives in your house. If you know that something ain't right in the house, deal with it and come back and then offer the... Are you with me? See, a violation of covenant is serious in God's eyes. Look at what verse 16 says. For the Lord God of Israel says, watch this, that he hates divorce. For it covers one's garments with violence. Says the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit. In other words, here's what the word take heed means. It means guard. He says, listen, I hate divorce because it covers you with violence. You look like, when you come before me, it looks like just violence before me. It says, so therefore guard your spirit. Someone say guard your spirit. No, this is hard. This is hard. But I'm going to help you out. Just just work with me. Guard your spirit that you do not deal treacherously. Guard your spirit. Now, why is he telling us to guard your spirit? Because this is the temptation that the enemy has in our lives. You make us promise and the enemy comes in and says, I'm going to find a way for you to break it. So he says, guard your spirit. Because the enemy is attacking that. He's attacking your promise. He's attacking your covenant. You see, God, the, the, Satan hates covenant making. Because if there's one thing, do you know that the word Jehovah means or covenant keeping God? That's what Jehovah is. Jehovah says, I'll keep my covenant. That's why he says, Jehovah Rapha. He says, I'll keep my covenant to heal. When it says Jehovah Shalom, I'll keep my covenant to give you peace. Yeah. In other words, listen to this. You know what? In the Old Testament, oh, this is, oh, God, help me with time. In the Old Testament, watch this. You see, God wasn't known as Jehovah until Moses came upon him. And then he said, listen, Moses, I need you to give them a name for me so they'll understand who I am. I am a promise keeper. That's who I am. When, when he says, I am who I am, he says, guess what he's saying? I can never say anything I'll never do. I can never do that. I mean, who I am is who I am and will always be. I will keep my covenant. So here it is, when we're in this position, God says, listen, when you don't keep your covenant, you don't represent me. You know, we are ambassadors of a different kingdom. And when an ambassador goes to a country, they don't have an opinion of their own. They have to represent what their government thinks. Are you with me? So when the ambassador of the United States goes to Jamaica, guess what? They have to pretend that whatever Mr. Obama says is what they agree with. And they've got to walk in it. And when you're an ambassador and you decide you're going to break covenant, God says, but that is not what your government believes. The government of heaven always keeps covenant. And that's why Malachi says, aren't we all of the same father? 
This doesn't make any sense. Isn't it the same God who created all of us? Then how is it that we're not behaving like Him? What if, what if uh, I made a mistake? I married the wrong person. It's kind of funny that society treats covenant very flippantly. And if, if she doesn't satisfy your needs, trade her in. Cash for clunkers, baby. Cash for clunkers. <laughs> if he doesn't make you happy, come on, there's somebody out there who will. Now there's a Prince Charming that lives there somewhere. Let me tell you something. We need to take covenant seriously. I've, I've heard this argument in Jamaica before. I don't know if you've had it here. It's, whom God has put together, let no man put us under. Well, pastor, you know, God didn't put us together. So therefore, we were out of God's will when we got married. Have you ever heard that? Kind of weird. Uh, turn with, with me real quick to Joshua chapter 9. We're going to answer that this morning. You want to answer that? Then we'll bring it all the way back home. Joshua chapter 9. Look at verse 3. Joshua chapter 9 verse 3. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors and took Old sacks on their donkeys, old wineskin torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet, and old garments on themselves, and all the bread of their possession was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp of, at Gilgal, and said to him and to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, Perhaps you dwell among us. How can we make a covenant with you? And the reason is because God had given them a command to kill all the inhabitants of the land. So he says, oh, Maybe you live here and you're just tricking us. We can't make a covenant with you. But they said to Joshua, We are your servants. And Joshua said to them, Who are you and where, they're from? where are you from? And they gave them some story. Verse 14. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Say that with me. But they did not ask counsel of the Lord. Verse 15. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live. And the rulers of the congregation swore to them. Now, was that in God's will? No. That was a covenant made outside of God's will. Are we agreed with that? Then the children of Israel, verse 17, journeyed that came near to the cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon and three other names I can't pronounce very well. So verse 18. <laughs> but the children of Israel did not attack them. Why? Because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord. Watch this. They swore to them by the Lord. In other words, here's what they did. They didn't ask God, but they said, In the name of Jehovah, our covenant-keeping God, 
I will not destroy you. In the name of our covenant keeping God. I will protect you. In the name of our covenant keeping God. I'm going to make sure that you're okay. That your enemies become my enemies. That your friends become my friends. That we will stand with you. In the name of a covenant keeping God. We made this covenant today. And so the rulers. Verse 17, 18. And all the rulers, verse 19, then all the rulers said to the congregation, we have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now therefore, we may not touch them. Jump over to 2 Samuel 21. 2 Samuel 21. It's getting real quiet in here. But that's okay. Second Samuel 21 verse 1. Now there was a famine in the days of David. For three years. Year after year. And David inquired of the Lord. And the Lord answered. It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house. Because he killed the who? The who? Because he killed the Gibeonites. These are the guys that they didn't inquire of the Lord to make covenant with them. But Saul broke covenant and God threw, poured a famine out on the land. He punished Israel for what they did to Gibeon. Even though the Gibeonites were not a part of his original plan. Verse 2. So the king called the Gibeonites and spoke to them. Now the Gibeonites were not of the children of Israel, but of the, of the remnant of the Amorites. The children of Israel had sworn protection to them, and Saul had sought to kill them in his zeal for the children of Israel and Judah. God takes covenant seriously. And any covenant you make before him, he sees it as a covenant made by him. So when you come before the Lord and both of you stand up and he says, Now before God and these witnesses, God says, even if it wasn't a part of my plan, it now is. Why? Because I am a covenant keeping God. And I can work all things together for good. But you've got to just follow me now that you've made this covenant. But I'll work it out. Because if you honor the covenant, I'll honor you. Listen to me. If you honor the covenant, I'll honor you. Why? Because you represent me when you honor your word. And so, how's your promise going? How's your promise going? For richer, for poorer? Sickness and health? For better, for worse, you promised to love, to cherish. You promised to be there. You promised, cross your heart, hope to die. You promised that you would. You promised you'd be that embrace. When the person was down. 
You promised you'd be that support when times got tough. You promised you'd walk through thick and thin together. You promised you'd laugh together and cry together. You promised that you would be there. That you'd cheer when you needed to cheer and coach when you need to coach and be quiet when you need to be quiet and talk when you need to talk. You promised. No matter what. Now if you stay pretty, not if you behave well, not if you keep your part of the bargain. No, no, no. You said, no matter what. You said, no matter what. So how's your promise going? I've made my own little exits from time to time. Withdrawn when I should have engaged. Gotten cold when I should have been warm. Talked too much when I should have listened. Got emotional when I should have had a calm head. It's little breaks. Little breaks, little promise. But God is the one that empowers us. I want to say one more thing about this. For some of us, the covenant is already broken. And it's gone too far. You can't mend it. It can't come back together. Or you broke because of the biblical reasons. You broke because that person was unfaithful. And continued to be unfaithful. You broke because there was abuse in the marriage. Let me just say one thing here. God says, I hate divorce. But He doesn't say, I hate the divorced. God loves you. God hasn't given up on you because of some broken covenant in the past. God says, you can start all over again. He wants you to know that He has grace and mercy waiting for you. There's a healing community in this church. There's a healing community in your true groups. So let me tell you three things you need to do if you, you've been broken. Listen, number one, get in a healing community. Get in a place where you can receive the love of Christ, the mercy of Christ. Number two, reset that bar in your life. That bar of covenant excellence, of promise keeping. Number three, depend on God to do whatever it takes for you to be a covenant keeper. Now let me say this and we're going to end here. Malachi simply says, guard your spirit. Guard your spirit. Do not break faith. Guard your spirit. Do not break faith. Guard your spirit. Because that's what the enemy wants to do. The one thing that makes you represent Christ more than anything else. Is how you honor the covenants that you've made. Because he's a covenant keeping God. Bow your heads with me for a moment.